God, please, um, what do I do, Lord? I just confess that my mind is just in so many places this morning. My heart uh, is following, Lord. And I, God, I just ask now that you would calm us, Lord, that you would allow us to focus, Lord, as we have worshipped you and sing your praises, Father. I pray that we would now come before your word. And, uh, Lord, that we would, that we would humble ourselves uh, before it, Lord, that we would sit at your feet and listen to your word to us. Lord, I pray that it would divide our hearts, divide our excuses, Lord, that it would uh, transform us, that it wouldn't leave us the same, Father, uh, that you are renewing us, Lord, that you are making us into beautiful things, Father, and that as we come to your word, you do that through your spirit. And so, Lord, I just pray now that you would do that, Lord, that we would open ourselves, uh, that we'd be vulnerable before you, and we would allow you to do that work in us, Father. Lord, help us to do that now. Lord, we give you the honor, we give you the glory. Lord, I pray that your name would be made known this morning, Lord. That you would be made famous, that you would be given glory as we worship you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so this morning we are finishing up. We've done the book of Nehemiah. 13 chapters of Old Testament historical writings that you probably didn't want to, you didn't know you wanted to hear, right? Um, it's not something that typically a church would necessarily preach through, but we've gone through it, and I'm uh, encouraged as I listened to even several of the messages and went back through several of my notes reviewing. It was really uh, impactful to me, and I saw, see how God used it in my life, uh, how I look into your lives, and I believe God has used it in our church. Um, and so that's what we're going to do today, is we're going to review, we're going to remember, in a sense, Nehemiah. We're going to go back and look at Nehemiah, and look at what God has shown us through it. Um, and to remember is to bring to mind, right? That we'd actually bring to mind, bring back to our awareness, something that we've seen, something that we've known, or something that we've experienced. And if we don't take time to remember, we forget. It's just a plain fact, all right? As we get older, if I don't stop and remember, I forget, okay? We just need to stop and we need to remember. So I have this graph. I've shown this to you guys once before when we actually first started. Don't get, don't get lost in the words, okay? The words aren't important. On the left here, this is about what we remember from learning the first time if we don't go back and remember it, if we don't go back and review. After one week of what you hear me say today, if you don't go back and review, if you don't go back and remember it, you only remember a third of what I say. And that's if I do a fantastic job with multivisual and words and stories and everything coming together. You'll still only remember one third of what I say. All right? In one week. If you go back and review in that same week, if you go back and remember, you'll remember 83%. All right? You see the difference that remembering? What remembering does. On the other side, again, ignore all the words. If you don't review, after two months, if you go back and you look at this sermon, you'll remember 14%. One out of every 10 words that I say. All right? One out of every 10 points, you'll remember two months from now. Not a lot of retention. But if you remember, if you go back and review, you'll remember 70%. All that's to point out is that God knows 
that's our frame. He knows we're dust. And he says, and he says in his word, remember me, right? He says, remember me. Come back. He tells Israel to set up these memorials so you can remember what I've done. You can remember how I showed up. You can remember what I did in your life. And so that's what we're doing today. You might think, do I really need to go back and review the book of Nehemiah? We spent four months in these 13 chapters. And I would say, yes, we need to because we need to remember it. All right, so we're going to review it. And a connected theme throughout that, throughout Nehemiah, is this idea of remembering. If you guys remember, Nehemiah was writing a journal. All right? This is history, and he's writing this journal. And at least chapter 1 through 7, and then chapter 13 was his personal memoir. It was his personal journal, journal as he remembered what had occurred, as he remembered what he had participated in. In chapter 1, the first thing, when Nehemiah hears this news, he's out in Susa, he's out in the capital, he's never been to Jerusalem, and he hears the news about the Jews, and he hears the news about Jerusalem, how they're in great shame, how they're in great trouble, how the walls are broken down, and it stirs in his spirit, and he goes before God, and for three to four months, he prays, and he weeps, and he mourns, and specifically what he does, it says he remembers God. He stops, he hears that, it breaks his heart, and he remembers God. In chapter 4, when they were opposed by Sambalot, by Tobiah, those that were against them building the wall, they had these threats of physical attack, and Nehemiah responds, you can see on the screen, chapter 4, verse 14, and I just want to read this verse again, because it's a fun verse to read, but look what it says. It says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, all right? They're threatening our lives. They're going to stop the work. They're coming after us. He says, but do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. That's how they push forward. They remember the Lord. This Lord who is great and awesome. And then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember God. Remember God. That's how we move forward. That's how we continue on, even when there's opposition. And then as we studied chapter 13 last week, the end... Nehemiah comes back and it's fallen apart. He comes back and the people have gone back to what they were doing. And as he goes through that, as he makes those corrections, he continues to say, God, remember me. God, remember me. God, remember my faithful action. Remember how I responded to you. We have to remember good times and bad times. The times we enjoyed, the times we didn't enjoy so much. With my sister here this weekend, and yes, the, another Fuller is in the house again. All right. They're making the tour. But I've thought about and she's brought up a lot of memories. Right? And especially with my kids around, memories that I didn't necessarily want to remember again or that I didn't necessarily want them to know so they can remember. But being with her, we've remembered a lot of things over the last two days. And even last week, as I was needed, was gone, I had some time to remember. I actually watched... Uh, the Cornerstone send-off. We have it on a little video that they gave us when we were there over two years ago. And I looked at it and I'm like, wow, my hair was really dark. It wasn't really dark, but it was darker. <laughs> but I remember I looked and Karina was not here, she was here. And I looked at us and I looked at those of us who were here. I'm like, wow, do, I, do we remember what God has done? Do we remember how God brought us together and how he worked through us and how he connected us and how he's united us? And we've talked about this, uniting us in the gospel. Nothing else but in Jesus Christ. And what he's done through us and what he's done amongst us. And what he will do through us. We need to stop and we need to remember. So today we're going to remember Nehemiah. 
But before we do that, I want us to be a little more personal. Um, I specifically want us to remember what God has done through us. What God has done through living stones. What God has done in this body. Okay, What He's done over the last couple of years. I want us to remember God's purpose, our participation, and His plan. And I want to do that specifically as we remember Mari Cruz. If you guys don't know, Mari Cruz passed away this week. And as we sang that song, about beautiful things, I just thought about her. Like he has made her new now. As we sat there and we wheeled her here, and as she sat, we put out her seat today so we can remember her. She couldn't see. She got to where she couldn't walk. But she continued to come. She loved on us. She gave us so much. And she encouraged us in so many ways. And God is making her new. She is before Him. She's able to see Him. She's able to run to Him. What an amazing thing that we can think about and we can remember. So what I want to do is we're going to stop the sermon. And I just want us to have a few moments of prayer. As we do our collective prayer, you can pray in English or Spanish. I'll bring the mic to you. Nidia will interpret. But that we would just remember Maricruz and we would thank God for her. What God has done through us. She was a woman in our neighborhood. She did not know the Lord. And we got to watch God transform her as she came to Him. So let's just spend a few minutes, if you'd like to pray. And thank God for her and for what God is doing and has done in our body. We will do that together and then I'll continue on. Father God, thank you so much for your sweet daughter, Mari Cruz. Thank you for our sister, Mari Cruz. Lord, thank you that you care about the one so much that you will search after them. Lord, that you will bring them home, that you will put them over your shoulders, Father, and you will return home rejoicing for the one that was found. God, thank you that we got to rejoice with her. Thank you that we got to watch you restore her relationship with you, begin to restore her relationship with her family, begin to restore her relationship with us, Lord. Thank you that we got to see that, that we got to be a witness to that, Father, that we can remember her Lord, help us not to forget what you have done, what you are doing, Father. Lord, thank you so much for showing us your love through her and your power through her. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. So we see how good it is, how important it is to remember what God has done. And we can remember now His Word. As we think about Nehemiah and we think about the time that we spent reading Nehemiah, the time that we spent studying Nehemiah, the time we spent that God willing, He is applying it in our lives and He's transforming us. So as we do that, I really want to just focus on one verse, okay? Or it's actually two verses, one passage. Chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. If there's one passage for us to remember in Nehemiah, it's this one. If you guys were here every week, I would somehow reference back to this passage. It's the, the big idea of Nehemiah. And so I just want to read that out loud. I'll read in English first and then Nita in Spanish. And then we'll walk through that. It says, Remember the, wor- the, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you, are faithful, I will, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. Verse 9, But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. So we're going to remember together three points. God's purpose, our participation, and then His plan. God's purpose, our participation, and His plan. That's the theme. That's what we see through that verse. And that's what we're just going to review quickly as we go through this together and we remember uh, Nehemiah. So the first, I get one more chance to give you a brief historical overview, all right, that everybody's excited about. We haven't done that for several months, but just again, to give us the context of Nehemiah as we think through and as we remember this story, the Israelites had been established in Jerusalem, right? They'd gone to the city, God had given this land, and through years and repeated times of being disobedient, God told them, if you continue to do this, if you continue not to walk in my ways, I'm going to cast you out. And that Nebuchadnezzar, this king, had come in and he had overtaken the city and he had exiled all of the Jews. They had been sent to Babylon. And when we read the story of Nehemiah, that had happened 141 years before we read verse 1 of Nehemiah. It's been 141 years since they were cast out of Jerusalem. But then 92 years before Nehemiah, this Persian king, Cyrus, made a decree that all the Jews could go back, they could return to Jerusalem. So the time we see in Nehemiah, it's been 92 years since the Jews have been able to go back to Jerusalem and reestablish the city. It's been 71 years since the temple. The first thing they did was they rebuilt the temple. You guys remember that as we went through Ezra and as we talked about this in the first few chapters. It's been 71 years since the temple's been rebuilt. And they continued not to walk in God's ways. God sent back Ezra to teach them the law, to walk with them in the commandments of God. And since Ezra's come back, it's been 13 years when we see Nehemiah when we start. So the Israelites have been exiled. The Israelites were allowed to return. The Israelites built the temple. All this time had passed. The Israelites had learned the law. Ezra had come back, but they still, what, the people were in, in, in great trouble and shame, and the walls were broken and destroyed. And that's where we found Nehemiah. And that's where we're going to start with his purpose, our participation, and God's plan. And it's very clear that his purpose was his name. His purpose was that his name, God's name, would be rebuilt. If you look at verse 9 again, 
at the very end, it says all these things. He's like, I'm going to gather them. I'm going to bring them to this place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. And we talked about that several times. We talked about this idea that his name is his reputation. It's his glory. It's his fame. That God says, I want to bring you to this place and I want to be made famous through you. And he says, I'm literally, I'm going to dwell there with you. I'm going to be present with you. God wanted to be present with his people and for his name to be made known through them. It literally means that he was going to tabernacle with them, that he was going to reside with them, that he would live there with them and his name would be made known. And his purpose then is not different for us now. His purpose then is still his purpose today. As we think through that, as we remember that, as we think about our mission statement, that we, Livingstones, we are a people who collectively seek to fully proclaim by word and deed the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Right? They were brought together in that place so that God's name would dwell there. God has done the same thing for us. He's brought us together in this place so that His name would dwell here amongst us and in this neighborhood. That His name would be made famous. It was His purpose for them now. It's His purpose for us today. But as we look at that and we think through this book, this is not about the Israelites. Okay? This is a story about God. It's about His name. It's not about their name. It's about His name. And for us to think through that as well, that this is not about us. This is not about living stones. This is not about the name of living stones. This is about the name of Jesus Christ. And that we need to think through that and we need to process through that. And what are we here for? What are we living for? What are we participating in? What is the purpose behind all this? It's not for us. It's not that we would enjoy it. It's that God's name would be made known. That that's why we're here. That's why we're loving each other. That's why we're loving God. And that's why we're loving this neighborhood. Is so that God's name would be made known. His purpose is himself. And his purpose includes a people and it includes a place. It was both. When Nehemiah heard, when he had this, these people come to see and he wanted to know about Jerusalem, he asked about the people and he asked about the place. Okay, it was both. The people were in great trouble and shame. The walls were broken down. Nehemiah was stirred by the Spirit for three months. He fasted and prayed and mourned and wept for who? For the people and for the place. It was both together. And then as we walk through the book, the progression of the book, first chapter 2 through 7, it's all about the rebuilding of the place, the rebuilding of the wall. And then we realize what we all thought that Nehemiah was just about rebuilding the wall, and then chapter 8 through 13 was about this rebuilding of the people. It was about the rebuilding of the place and the rebuilding of the people. It was about both. God doesn't separate the people and the place. Because God is a God of relationships, right? And within that place, within this Jerusalem, within that city, is where these relationships occurred and where these relationships were lived out. God wanted to see those relationships restored. The relationships of His people with Himself, the relationships between each other, and the relationships with them with their neighbors. He wanted to see all of that restored. And for all those things to be restored, then His name would dwell there. And when that's happening, when all those relationships are restored, it looks like, for us, that Jesus is King, that He is in authority, that we're living under His rule. If those relationships are made right between us and between our Lord, between us and each other, between us and our neighbors, it's going to look like God is in control. It's going to show His name. His name is going to be made known. And so that's the same thing. He wanted them to live together in that way. He wants us to live together in that way with Him, with each other, and with our neighbors, so that His name would be made known. And we need to be careful. 
not to disconnect the people and the place. All right? We get focused in on me, God, and me, and myself, and uh, my family, maybe. And we forget about what God wants to do outside of us, how He wants to restore all things, as we've been saying about. He wants to restore these other relationships. He wants us to love Him and love our neighbors. So I want to ask you as we've gone through that, as we think about His purpose, as we think about that purpose for His name to dwell here, do you, after we've gone through this book of Nehemiah, do you have any more concern for the people and for the place? Is your heart stirred any differently now than it was four months ago when we sat down and we read this first section of Nehemiah where his heart was stirred for the people and for the place? We need to be honest about that. Do we really have any more compassion? Do we have any more concern? Look around in this room. Do we have more concern for each other, more concern for our lives together? Look out the door. You guys remember I rolled up the door that day and said, look out there. Do we care about this place? Do we have any more concern about our neighbors? Because God is concerned about both. And out here, out there and in here, that's where our mission occurs, right? That's where we proclaim His name. That's the place where it happens. That's the place where these relationships, where we interact, where they're restored and where God is made known. And that's God's purpose here. It was His purpose in Jerusalem. It's His purpose here. And we get to participate. We get to participate in that purpose. Just as they got to participate. Everyone was involved. You guys remember when we got to chapter 3 and I list, I preached a chapter full of names. All it was was names. Everyone was involved. God brought everyone in to be a part of that. And I think that everyone was involved because they all realized they had contributed to the brokenness. They were all part of the trouble and the shame. They were all part of the brokenness that occurred there at the wall, that occurred in that place. In verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, remember as Nehemiah prayed, he prayed and he confessed the sins of the people. He prayed and confessed the sins of his own family. And then he prayed and confessed his own sins. And Nehemiah had never even been to Jerusalem. He was a part of it. He realized, this is a part of me. I have participated in this. I have contributed to the sin. And we all have contributed. We all are part of the brokenness, okay, within our body and outside in this neighborhood. We have to realize that. We all are sinful. We all have participated. And if we realize that we participate in that way, that we've contributed, that we're part of that brokenness, then we'll want to be part of the rebuilding. We'll want to be part of rebuilding the people and the place. And then like we saw in chapter 3, we'll all come to the wall. We'll be shoulder to shoulder, working on the wall, working in this place, rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the people. We would all participate. You guys remember in chapter 3, there were perfumers, there were uh, rulers, there were nobles, there were goldsmiths, all these people that had no idea what they were doing, but they were on the wall, shoulder to shoulder, working together. And I continue to think about Posada. And that evening on Saturday night when I got to stand in that gym and I did a, a 360 view and looked as we were there and we were there shoulder to shoulder, loving on our neighborhood, engaging with our neighbors. And I remember going around the room and looking at each individual and how each individual was playing their part and how each individual was interacting. And everyone was there. And even Linnea, who couldn't be there, was at home praying because she was taking care of sick kids. But she was there at home praying, doing her part. We were all participating. We were all a part. And so just think now, are you participating? 
Are you participating in the rebuilding of this place? If you're not, why not? Do you not believe that this place is in great trouble? That the people are in great shame? Do we not believe that? Do we not think that? Do you not believe that you've contributed to it? That you're a part of it? Or do you just think that you don't have a role to play? That you don't have the right skills? That you don't have the right background? That you don't have the right... You haven't been schooled enough. You don't know enough of scriptures. You don't know enough of God's story. I mean, what, what is it? What is it that would keep us from participating? Because all those things are not true. All those things are lies. And we see that here in Nehemiah. Everyone participated. There was a place for everyone. And they all came together. And so God wants for His name to be made known. We have to do that. We have to all participate in the rebuilding of this place. But it doesn't just stop with the place. It's got to get to the people. All right? It's got to get to those people where those relationships occur. Look at chapter 8, verse 3. It says, And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women and all those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The wall had been built, but the work wasn't done. Remember, they brought everyone together there inside the city gates, inside Jerusalem. And they didn't do it in the temple. They did it outside, in the community, outside where the women and the children and everyone could understand could be there. Okay, no one was kept from that. And they brought them all before the Word and they read this Word to them. And not just reading the Word to everyone, they actually went around, remember, making sure that everyone understood. They wanted to make sure that everybody had understanding of the Word, that everyone would be able to participate. And as we walk through that in chapter... 8 and 9 and 10, we understood that He wanted, God wanted everyone to understand His grace. When they were confronted, they came face to face with His grace. And we all experience that as we come before His Word. That's what they experienced when they came before His Word, when the law was read. And so again, for us to ask ourselves, are you coming to the Word? Are you going before the Word as an individual? being confronted with God's grace, seeing His amazing grace? Are we doing that in discipleship as we partner together and live together? Are we doing that as a body collectively? Are we considering His Word? Are we coming before it so that we can see His grace and so we can be changed by it? Not just sitting in a chair, not just holding on until Brit's done, but actually like, God, we get to hear Your Word. We get to hear what You're saying to us and we're going to see Your grace and understand Your grace. It's going to change our lives. That that's what it would look like to participate in the rebuilding of the people. Remember the biscuits? God's holiness, the flour. Our sin, the Crisco that's mixed in and makes it useless. And then God's love poured over the buttermilk. All those things together, right? That's grace. God is holy. We have fallen short. We do not live up to His standard. We've set our own standards. And yet He has completed it with love. He's made something beautiful. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. When we come to His Word, when the people are rebuilt, they understand that. We would understand that. We'd see His grace. We'd remember that as we're in His Word. So have you enjoyed His grace? You guys remember me sitting there at the table, eating the biscuits or the alligator, enjoying it? We get to enjoy His grace. We get to celebrate that. But if you celebrate it, if you enjoy it, then we also have responsibility to respond to it. 
right? We saw that in chapter 10 after they experienced this grace. They responded to it. They made this firm covenant. They made this firm commitment, this promise to choose to serve. Because of this grace, because of how you've lavished your love on us, because of how you've redeemed us, we're going to respond to that and we're going to serve you. We're going to choose to serve you completely with all of our lives, with our priorities, with our security, with our identity. Every part of our life we're going to give to you and we're going to serve you in that way. And I talked about choosing to serve. We've experienced this grace. Are we going to respond and choose to serve? We talked about how that was a repeated thing for Israel, that they had to choose this day whom they would serve, that we get to choose now how, who are we going to serve and how are we going to serve them. And that we are to serve Jesus Christ. And we're to serve Him completely. He gave His life completely to us. And we get to give our lives completely to Him. So God's purpose is to make His name known. We get to participate because of His grace. We get to participate because of His love for us. Because of how He's cared for us. And we, can t- we participate completely. And then lastly, His plan. Nehemiah has an amazing story. It's an amazing story of God's sovereignty, of how He was working to bring about His plan. God clearly moved in the heart of Nehemiah. When he heard the news, the Spirit moved in him for the people in the place. God clearly moved in the heart of the Persian king to allow him to go back, to give him the resources he needed to rebuild the wall. God moved in the heart of the people when they responded and said, let's stand up, let's build the wall. God moved in the heart of the people when they responded and they said, we've seen your grace, now let's make this firm covenant to you. God was moving through all those things. And then we saw that there was opposition. Repeated opposition. People came against them. They were opposing them. That threatened their lives. That ridiculed them. That spoke evil of them. That tricked them. That lied to them. And in the end, Nehemiah, he looks like a failure. So we got to chapter 13 last week. Like, this is the way it ends. That's it. He goes away. He comes back. Everybody's returned back to the way they were, doing the same things. The people are in great trouble and shame again. What did he do? What, would, what did he spend himself on? It's all going back to the way it was. And it just looks like, I mean, he has nothing to show for his efforts. The people had forsaken God. They had profaned the Sabbath. And they were intermarrying with the other people that loved and served other gods. What was the point? What was the purpose? Was that really God's purpose? But as I read this and as I study this, Nehemiah was faithful. It didn't matter about the fruit. He continued to be faithful. It didn't matter about the opposition. He continued to be faithful. It didn't matter when it appeared to be failure. He continued to be faithful. Because he remembered his God. Remember in chapter 13, he says, Remember me, remember me, remember me. Remember me as I act faithfully. Remember me as I respond faithfully to you, God. And we have to do the same. We have to focus on faithfulness. And there's nothing more difficult than to be faithful day after day after year after year to endure and to be faithful. When we're opposed, when there's opposition, when we fail, when we fall down, to continue to be faithful because we believe that God is faithful. And I wanted to show you guys um, a video, but it's too long. 
and, and we've already cried this morning. I don't want you to cry anymore. But, uh, but please go home and watch it. It's called A Letter from Fred. Uh, it's on YouTube. And uh, I watched it. I saw it on Facebook. And then somebody told me to look at it. And it's about this man. And he is 96 years old. And at 96 years old, there was this contest to enter in a songwriting contest. And he wrote this song about his wife, and he entered into this contest, but he was so disconnected in one sense. He, you know, they, they were supposed to submit it online, this video. He, he put a big manila envelope and put it all in there where he had written it down by hand. And he submits it, and it's called uh, Sweet Lorraine. That was his wife's name. And they get it, and they start to read through it. And they realized that his wife had died a month before. And as they read more of his background and more of his story, they realized that they had known each other for 75 years. They had been married for 73 years. And a month after he, she dies, he writes this song for her and submits it to this contest. And you listen to the words that this old man wrote about sweet Lorraine. <laughs> And how he wishes they could do these good times over again. But these memories, they'll remain. I'll remember you. I won't forget you. And as you look at that and, and you think about 75 years of this man walking with this woman, of them walking together, of them being faithful to each other, and what that would look like. And you know that there were good times, and you know there were hard times, and you know there were bad times. But yet he's like, I remember. I remember the good times. They're not going to go away. They'll remain. And they did the song for him professionally because he can't sing and the song probably wasn't written very well, but they did it for him. And as he's listening to it and he's got the headphones on and he's just sitting there and you're watching him just remember his wife and remembering how faithful she had been and how faithful he had been and what that had looked like over so much time. And I was like, that's what I want to be able at the end of my life to look back and say, God, I have been faithful. And God, you have been so faithful to me. You've walked with me. You've not forsaken me. You have not left me. You've continued to be faithful to me even when I was faithless. Because that's what He asks of us. That's it. Be faithful. Walk with me. And He didn't I watch that. And we cried like babies. We were laying in our bed and I had the the video in front of us on the computer and we were watching it and we were just crying and we had to stop it and get tissues and it was like, oh my gosh and it was reminding me of my grandfather and all these things it's like, this is too much and then we told Jovan and Melissa like, hey, you guys have got to watch this video it will tear you up right? and Jovan and Melissa watched it he's like, yeah, we didn't cry I said, what? And, and, and that's not their fault. They've been married, you know, less than a year. <laughs> we were looking at this, and as we watched this video, I'm like, that's what I want to be like. I want to be able to talk about my wife that way. I want her to talk about me that way. And we've been doing this for 15 years, and it feels like such a short time, but yet it feels like so much time, and yet they just don't have that perspective yet of what it would look like to continue and to continue and to continue and to endure and to continue to walk in that. But that's what God has for us. He wants us to continue in that relationship with Him, continue to endure with Him, and be faithful to Him. So are you willing to remain faithful for a lifetime? Are you willing to remain faithful to God for 75 years?
We have to ask ourselves that. That we would walk through the highs and lows because He's faithful to us. And what that looks like is we believe His Word. We remember Him. We believe His Word regardless of how we feel, regardless of the situation, regardless of what's going on around us. We believe Him because He's faithful. And so I don't want to be a downer. As I finished Nehemiah last week, I confessed to you guys, I was kind of discouraged. I'm like, that's it? That's it? It's over? There's no more. There's not a happy ending. They didn't turn around. They continued to be disobedient. But then as we thought about that, that story is, is our story. We fall down. We fail over and over and over again. We fall short over and over and over again. We can't be faithful enough. We will never be faithful enough to deserve God's love for us. We won't. That's just the fact. That's, that's, that's the point of His grace. But that's what makes, that's what becomes amazing in Nehemiah. Is that they didn't need a great leader. This book is usually preached about leadership and Nehemiah was an amazing leader. But an amazing leader didn't change the Israelites. They came right back to who they were and what they were doing. They needed a savior. They needed someone to redeem them. They needed someone to restore them. It was beyond what Nehemiah could do. And we are on the other side of that. We've experienced that. We know who Jesus Christ is. We know that He's come to redeem us. He's come to restore us. That He was faithful even when we're faithless. And so I just want to show you guys, and as we finish the book of Nehemiah, that we would understand that this is pointing to and this is all about Jesus Christ. Because God's purpose is completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God wanted His name to dwell amongst them. Jesus Christ came, and in His fullness, He dwelt amongst us. He lived amongst us. He made God completely known, perfectly known, as He walked on this earth. Look at Colossians 1, verse 19 through 20. It says, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. The fullness of God dwelled in Jesus Christ. And we're able to be in His Word and to remember Him and to know Him. Our participation in that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So not only is the purpose fulfilled in Jesus, but our participation is fulfilled in Jesus. He is gracious and He is faithful. Look at John 1, verse 15, or verse 16 actually. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. In 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He was the fullness of grace. And because of that, we can know Him. Because of that, we can be made righteous. He allows us to fully participate in God's purpose and to be a part of what we see as God's plan. And then also, lastly, God's plan is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. It says, According to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
We can see how they needed, not a leader, but they needed a Savior. We can see how Jesus Christ fulfills that purpose. He fulfills our participation and He fulfills God's plan. It was incomplete with Nehemiah, but it's complete through Jesus Christ. Let me read this last passage. And I want us to think about this, even as we thought today about Marie Cruz, and we thought about how God was making her new, and how God was changing her, and how God is even making us new, as we talked about, and we sang that song, that we're in this process. But one day, it will be complete. One day, His plan will come to fullness, it will come to completion, and this is what it's going to look like. Revelations 21, 1-4. through 4. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth and first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. When it's all done, when it's all said and over, that's what it's going to look like. God will dwell completely with His people. We'll gather as His people and worship Him and praise Him. And He'll be King. And those relationships will be made right. But until that day, we continue to be faithful. Until that day, we work, we serve, we respond by proclaiming His name here amongst ourselves, in this neighborhood, to our neighbors, that we would proclaim the supremacy and the worth of Jesus Christ. We are waiting for this hope. We're waiting for that all to be made new. And as we wait, we continue in that process. That's our job. Until then, we remember Him and we wait with hope.